Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Thursday slash Christmas Eve edition of the Three Martini Lunch. If you were with us on Wednesday, you know that we are now in our always fun end of the year Crystal Martini Awards. It's the Three Martini Lunch Awards for 2020. And what a year it has been. Yesterday, we kicked it off with the most overrated, underrated, and honest political figures of 2020. Today, we're going to take a look at three more categories. Sorry to see you go, rising star, and political figure fading into oblivion. So lots of choices, unfortunately, for those who passed away in 2020. Jim, I know you've got a long list in front of you. On uh, this particular one, I'll go first. Um, I was really torn between two political figures, one in the House and one who served in the House and Senate. I'll briefly mention the legendary life of Sam Johnson. He was a congressman from Texas who uh, flew uh, missions in Vietnam, was shot down, was uh, a prisoner at the Hanoi Hilton for a number of years, uh, brutally tortured, as were so many uh, at that horrific facility, uh, obviously was released, came home, built a very, very successful business. And then I was believe it was in 1990, he was elected to Congress and quickly established himself as one of the most distinguished uh, members. Uh, and he became really the, I don't usually like to use this word, but the conscience of House Republicans on many issues, particularly as matters uh, pertaining to the Iraq war and so forth played out. So Sam Johnson died this year at 89. And I definitely want to make sure he gets mentioned. My longer tribute uh, this year, though, is for former Oklahoma Congressman and Senator Tom Coburn. This is a guy who was a practicing OBGYN for many years, including even while he was in Congress, when he'd be home, he would... Uh, keep doing that work for his customers and delivering babies, which obviously made him a very ardent pro-life voice in Congress. But uh, he was an interesting guy, mainly for two other issues. First of all, he was a deficit hawk. He hated government waste with a passion and called it out eloquently and forcefully every chance he could. He's the one who came up with the, uh, the porker list or the pig report every year, just talking about all the wasteful spending that Congress was doing. And then, of course, as the Obamacare uh, debate revved up, Tom Coburn was out there constantly talking about how we do need to reform the system, but this is exactly the wrong way to go about it. We need to take steps to give people more choices, not uh, giving them fewer options as Obamacare was doing, and of course still trying to make the care better and the care cheaper. Tom Coburn was a man of deep convictions. He expressed them extremely well, and unlike many people in Washington, he was only too happy to leave Washington. He was one of the few people in that class in 94. There were others, but not a lot, uh, who actually honored his three-term commitment before retiring from the House. Then he came back in 2004, open Senate seat, uh, won a pretty nasty uh, Senate race that year, easily reelected in 2010. Uh, and then, unfortunately, due to health issues and some other reasons, he uh, stepped down a year before his uh, term ended, I believe, in about 2015. Uh, worked in his last couple of years trying to get some things done in a convention of the state's approach to amending the Constitution. Uh, we haven't gotten there yet, but uh, a man of deep principle, and we could use those a lot more in Washington. You know, Greg, uh, two excellent choices that I can now cross off of my list. Listeners, as you may not have noticed, 2020 has been a crap year. <laughs> there are some years where Greg and I come to this category and luckily no one who's all that well known in the world of politics or other realms has, uh, has passed away and we kind of have to make a reach. This was a year 
where there was just an abundance of famous and choices of, of famous people who, even if you hadn't met them, felt like they had touched your lives in one way or another. And politics was a, you, know, there was, you can go to the politics category, you can go well beyond the politics category. Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, wherever you stand on the political spectrum. Chadwick Boseman dying long before his time. Kenny Rogers, Kobe Bryant, Jim Lehrer, John Lewis, Herman Cain, Brent Scowcroft, Sean Connery. <laughs> but the one that really stuck with me, the one where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And it's just gonna be weird to not have him in our lives is outside the realm of politics, except when he did the occasional edition with uh, various you know, political movers and shakers. I'm talking about Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy, who has just been this institution in our lives. And you know, it's usually around seven or 7.30, wherever you were on a weekday, you could tune in and Alex Trebek was there, usually dealing with people on one of the greatest moments of their lives as they managed to win and had the right answer, or in some cases, one of the most embarrassing moments of their lives where they didn't know the right answer and they lost on national television. And Trebek, in a matter of the circumstances, Trebek always seemed to handle it with grace and with compassion and uh, with good spirits. He was always very dignified. If you need a pick-me-up at this moment, go online and find the video of all the times Alex Trebek has been taping some promo for the show, flubbed his words, and cursed a blue streak. It is the most unexpected thing you'll ever see, and it is an absolute delight. Um, listen, long-time listeners of this podcast may know that uh, Cindy Stoll was a friend of myself and my wife, um, went to high school with my wife, and uh, she was the Jeopardy! contestant who passed away before her show aired. And I didn't get a chance to meet Alex Trebek, but I, I, he did write in his autobiography a chapter about her. Um, and it was just a, a, you know, not only a lovely tribute, but a recognition of even if people were only on the show once and, and they only interacted with him a little bit, they generally walked away feeling like Alex Trebek for that, that little bit of interaction made them feel like the most important person in the world and the most special person in the world. And, you know, knowing a lot of trivia that, that may not always be a useful thing in your day job and your relatives tell you to shut up and to, you know, but in, in jeopardy, knowing a lot of stuff was, was celebrated and he made those people feel like a million bucks, whether or not they went home with a million of bucks. So, Alex Trebek, you will be very, very missed after this year. Yeah, Alex Trebek is a guy who I think everybody thinks of his family because so many people watch Jeopardy, like you said. I think he kind of uh, lightened up over the years. I remember mm. when I was uh, growing up and as a high schooler, he had been doing the show probably for less than 10 years. And, you know, somebody would get the wrong answer and he'd be like, oh, no, you have to remember he stopped being Roman emperor. He died in 283 <laughs> AD. This would have been three years after that. So obviously it's this one. Uh, and so it's just kind of letting you know how smart he was. Uh, but it, one of the viral things that's also been out there lately, I'm sure you've seen it, Jim, is when he had three people who, let's just say, aren't uh, athletically inclined and the category was football. And he had some of the easiest uh, questions out there, like, uh, you know, what do you call the play where the quarterback can keep it or pitch it to a running back? And obviously it's the option all the way through from, you know, uh, who was the coach of the Cowboys who developed the shotgun? Tom Landry. Uh, and so he's just, by the, by the second or third clue, it's obvious none of them were going to get any of these uh, answers. And so the last one, of course, which is the hardest in the category, um, they, they showed like the ring of honor at the Vikings stadium of their defensive line from the 70s and asked what their nickname was. And, uh, and Alex, uh, after he gives the clue, says, if any of you get this one right, I will die. And so uh, he's just like, 
uh, you know, <laughs> throughout that category, he's just like, huh, let's, let's look at the last one anyway. It's not like anybody's going to get this. So uh, just I'm picturing like the Will Ferrell impression. They are fearsome and there's a number of them. Look at how many, <laughs> count them in the picture. How many do you see? Ah, those are the Rams though, Jim. Purple, oh, purple right. leaders. There you go. I would have gotten it wrong. Purple I would have lost on Jeopardy. Think of the Weird Al Yankovic song. Moving on to rising political star. Thankfully, this was a, you know a, another category. There were plenty of options. I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna name. Okay, there were four I narrowed it down to, all from from the freshman class of incoming House Republicans. Uh, Nancy Mace in South Carolina, Burgess Owens, who I you know out in Utah won by the skin of his teeth, but he's now a mem- or incoming member of Congress, uh, and he's a former New York Jet. Although he's probably better known for what he did with the Raiders. Um, but I think the one that I think stands out, or, or the two that I decided to select, and it's in, they come from nearby districts, Young Kim and Michelle Steele, two geo, uh, incoming GOP congresswomen from uh, Southern California. Look, we can argue about identity politics, but I think it's just a natural fact that when people see someone who reminds them of themselves running for office, they are more inclined to support that person. Their House Republicans had a really great year this year, and almost all of the cases where they flipped a seat from blue to red, it was either a woman, a minority, or a veteran, or in some cases, all three, uh, or some combination of those two. And I think it is good, I, I, I believe in a big tent. I want the Republican Party to stand for as many, to, for everybody to feel welcome and for everybody to feel like they have a voice in this party. Hopefully you're conservative. <laughs> Hopefully we all agree on this. Hopefully we're all more or less on the same page in terms of our ideology and philosophy and what policies we want to enact. But I want everybody to feel like they have a home in this party and this party represents them as well. I think young Kim and Michelle Steele will have many years of leadership uh, for both for their districts and perhaps, you know, who knows the sky might be the limit there. So uh, kudos to both of them in, in a very, you know, a bright spot in an otherwise very challenging year. Yeah, those are good choices. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting people coming in this freshman class of Republicans, partly because of different experiences uh, and obviously more women than Republicans have generally had in their conference before. But uh, yeah, with the experience of, of business owners and veterans, uh, I really think uh, we're kind of uh, getting a, a fresher look at, at some of these issues that we're going to have. And uh, it's, you know, people who haven't been in Washington for a long time sometimes have much better ideas than those who have been here way too long. So uh, looking forward to seeing what they can come up with. Obviously, their ideas for the next two years won't get a lot of time on the House floor with the Democrats in control. But uh, if they comport themselves well and come up with really good ideas, that might be a huge help uh, for Republicans winning back the House in 2022. So, uh, Jim, as long as we're going with uh, multiple people, I'm going to offer two as well. Uh, my first choice is uh, Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, she's been a rising star for a while, from professor at Notre Dame to the Seventh Circuit, but uh, just three years after being confirmed to that, which of course led to the famous Diane Feinstein comment of the dogma living loudly inside of uh, Judge Barrett, uh, she was the choice of President Trump to replace uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when Ginsburg died in September, that of course led to a big fight you know, in the media and the, and the left that uh, how dare you try to fill this vacancy before the election that should be left up to the next president. After all, wasn't that your argument uh, when Scalia passed in February of 2016? But Republicans said, oh, no, it's very different because this time we actually control the Senate and the White House. So, yes, we can do this. You already have all the information on J- Judge Barrett. We just went through all this. We can do this pretty quickly. Uh, Lindsey Graham ran the hearings. Uh, Judge Barrett, with nary a note, uh, came through the hearings just fine. Uh, the Democrats, of course, did not uh, 
come across very uh, credible in a lot of ways. They threw out a lot of uh, ridiculous accusations and efforts to to stonewall that nomination did not happen. Uh, Judge Barrett has been on the court now for a couple of months, and you know we're not going to see some of her biggest decisions until probably the spring of next year. But by all accounts, uh, she's going to be another excellent addition to the Supreme Court. My other one, uh, more politically speaking, is Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota. She's been around for quite a while. She's been a House member, and now she is the governor. Uh, she's most famous right now for not uh, following the lockdown urges of other governors. Uh, we'll see how well that, that plays out for her, but she has uh, definitely made a name for herself this year. She hosted the president at Mount Rushmore for the 4th of July, and so... Uh, Depending on what uh, President Trump decides to do in 2024, I could easily see Christy Nome uh, making a run for it uh, in, in that particular cycle. So, Jim, again, uh, a number of people who should be on the rise here for the years to come. Hey, guys, it's Mock and Daisy from Chicks on the Right. We're excited to tell you about our podcast, the Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. From discussing topics like cancel culture, what's happening to our new generations, crises in our nation, and even some high-profile interviews, each week we touch on subjects that matter to us and matter to you. And we're not afraid to tell you how it is. So tune in every week to hear us talk about the things or even just get a good laugh. To find out more, go to our website, chicksontheright.com, or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to Leave a comment or review and subscribe. Now, the other you know, category of the day, and one that really kind of sticks in my mind, it's fading into oblivion. I want you to just think of somebody like a, I don't know, a Hans Gruber falling off a skyscraper <laughs> and uh, fading and disappearing and never quite seeing exactly what happens to them, but knowing it was bad. You know, Greg, at some point in the not-too-distant future, back when I start walking around Washington, D.C. again, it's entirely possible I will resemble, I, I will find a man who starts, sort of resembles a Keebler elf. And I'll look at that man and I'll say, hey, didn't you used to be Jeff Sessions? <laughs> I ask that because in, in some ways, the story of Jeff Sessions over the last four, like say five years, it's almost like an Aesop's fable, right? That, that basically he alone among Senate Republicans saw in Donald Trump, not just a winner, but a person who was aligned with his worldview on immigration and the importance to restricting illegal immigration and even restricting legal immigration, really was kind of the only Washington, I don't know if you want to say insider, but like, you know, a, a well-respected longtime senator uh, who you know, was on the Trump team early on. And we all recall back in 2015, 2016, a lot of Senate Republicans were very slow to warm up to Donald Trump. Our, uh, judging by the off-the-record comments, a whole bunch of them never did. But Jeff Sessions was there, and Jeff Sessions was selected early on. He was rewarded for his uh, foresight in seeing the potential of Trump with the attorney generalship. And as we all know, things did not go well. He recused himself from the Russiagate investigation. This infuriated Trump. Trump mocked him on Twitter. And here's where it really kind of, you know, this, this turns into the you know, true oblivion, because we saw Jeff Sessions and the relationship with Trump deteriorate and get worse and worse year by year. But this year, Jeff Sessions like, okay, I'm coming back. I want to go back for the Senate again. He ran for his Senate seat in Alabama and it did not go well. He did not make the, he didn't make the runoff, right, Greg? He did. Yeah. He lost to Tuberville. Yeah. Okay. He lost to Tuberville. All right. So all in all, like, you know, that, that, this is, and that's the end of Jeff Sessions. There's really no reason to think that he's going to go off and run for office again. He's getting up there in years. When you can't win your old uh, Senate seat in your old state, uh, there, there's really no reason to think that things are going back. His image is ruined amongst Republicans in Alabama, in part because of the criticism of Donald Trump. 
you know, I don't know if Jeff Sessions not picking Trump would have necessarily derailed his nomination. I don't think he was necessarily the decisive factor, but I think it's likely that it helped. I think it added a little bit of credibility to the Trump campaign when a lot of people thought it was just some, you know, another one of Trump's publicity stunts or something. And now Jeff Sessions is left with nothing. He doesn't have the Senate seat. He doesn't have his attorney generalship. A whole bunch of Trump fans think of him as this uh, weak sad little man, all that kind of uh, stuff. Certainly the left uh, didn't give him any credit for recusing himself from it. Uh, I remember the impressions of him on Saturday Night Live and such. You know, Sessions has been left with nothing. And it'd be very interesting because before he was the the Trump endorsement, he was just another Republican senator. I don't think he was terribly well known nationally. Uh, Trump turned him into a star and Trump ended his time as a star. And now he's going back home to Alabama. And I I hope he has a, a, a you know enjoyable rest of his days, but I think they're very likely to be very quiet ones, Greg. They could be. And, you know, he's uh, over 70 years old now. It's probably a uh, fine time to retire anyway. I think he'll have a very nice retirement. And uh, Jeff Sessions was a good senator uh, for, for more than 20 years. And uh, I think he did some good things as attorney general, obviously uh, frustrating to the president and others, particularly as it pertained to the Russia investigation and the special counsel and, and that sort of thing. But um, uh, Jeff Sessions, yeah, uh, we're not likely to hear from Jeff Sessions in any prominent way again anytime soon. So, uh, uh, Jim, uh, this is an interesting category because uh, do th- if they're really famous and they're kind of done, that's one way to look at it. Or people who you never really heard about that much and they kind of came into prominence and now they're going away and you're probably never going to hear from them again. So I was kind of torn between two. Uh, and one that I was thinking of was uh, Martha McSally. Uh, who has had a very distinguished military career, trailblazer in a number of ways, but in the last two cycles has lost uh, back-to-back Senate races against Kirsten Cinema and now Mark Kelly. But my official one goes to Tom Steyer. Uh, Tom Steyer was the uh, environmental billionaire who will probably annoy us uh, with all of his donations to future campaigns, but we actually put a face to the uh, uh, far-left activism as he decided for whatever reason to actually run for president. Kind of like Bloomberg, he originally said no and then decided to get in because, hey, why not? It's free airtime. Uh, and so he, uh, he got on the stage, hung on a little bit longer than uh, most people expected. For some reason, he tracked reasonably well, I mean, not leading, but uh, beyond the margin of error from zero in places like Nevada and South Carolina. But by the time the race actually got there, uh, more people were focused on Sanders and Biden. And so Steyer never really ended up meeting those poll numbers with actual votes. I'm not sure he accomplished much of anything in the race, but uh, he did get attention. Uh, He had that tartan tie, which I'm sure he's wearing again here at Christmas time. And uh, Jim, uh, there were a lot of people who had no business running for the Democratic presidential nomination. He was probably one of them, and I doubt he's going to do it again. So uh, other than cutting some big checks, we've probably seen the last, at least in terms of really prominent appearances from Tom Steyer. Greg, give him a little bit of credit. He, he did get a chance to say hi to Bernie Sanders <laughs> during that awkward exchange with Elizabeth Warren. Bernie, I just wanted to say hi. 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 How's it going? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, like, you know, there are so many aspects of 2020. Like, there are really awful parts of this year. And then there are parts of this year where you look back and say, what's that all about? <laughs> Why was Tom Steyer running for president? President of the United States. Yeah, Tom Steyer, the only man who can make Mike Bloomberg look like a whirling dervish of raw political charisma. Oh, man. Well, Jim, it is Christmas Eve. If you are a concierge today with... Um, 
uh, office party going on in the building and two guys walk <laughs> in the lobby talking about a Lakers fast break. Run, <laughs> run or uh, if you're armed, get ready uh, to use your weapon. So uh, uh, this is a day where uh, international terrorists like to pull off seeming terrorist attacks, but are actually uh, giant robberies. So beware, beware. Yeah, I, I, we, we could talk more, Greg, but I got to cut it short. I got to go to Dulles. My parents are flying in and <laughs> apparently General Esperanza is supposed to come in too. And you know, Dulles is always bad this time of year. So Exactly, especially when it's snowing. So it uh, keep your lighter handy though. You, you, might, you <laughs> might need that uh, at Dulles. Seriously, though, uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and, and throughout the year. We wish you a wonderful Christmas. And uh, I know this one's going to be a little different if you're unable to visit with family and friends as you normally do. But uh, once again, uh, the truth of the season is fantastic. And let's all celebrate that. And of course, uh, the wonderful time uh, with your family. So Jim, have a great Christmas and we'll see you on Monday. Listeners, Greg, yippee ki <laughs> Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Again, Merry Christmas. Subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Uh, thanks again in advance for those kind reviews and the five-star ratings. You can always get us on those home devices by saying, play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great Christmas. Have a great weekend. And join us Monday for the next in our year-end specials of the Three Martini Lunch year-end awards. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.